Well, hello, Westover. We're starting a brand new series all about our mission. Follow Jesus, love people. Follow Jesus, love people. Say it with me. Follow Jesus and love people. And while this is the mission of the church, I also believe that this is also a mission that we can live out each and every day. I believe God is calling us as his church, his people, that we would be committed to following Jesus and then as an expression of that commitment to Jesus that we would love people extravagantly. And I just believe that God not only cares about how we love him on the weekend and how we follow him on the weekend, but also how we follow him and how we love people throughout the week. We want people to walk away each week knowing how to live out their faith, how to make the mission of God practical in their own life. And so today we're gonna lean into the first part of our mission, which is follow Jesus. And I have to share with you candidly, I've been excited about this specific message for months. Why? Because if we as his church, as his bride, if we can understand what it truly means to follow him, everything else will be worked out in our life. The word of God says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything, say everything, and everything else will be added unto us. But we must be willing to believe that this mission isn't just for this church and this organization, but it's also for us. We must be willing to take a step and answer the call. In fact, that's the title of today's message, Answer the Call. Answer the Call. I think too many of us, when God calls us, we send him to voicemail. We're willing to answer the call of other people, but when God calls us, we come in and we're here on the weekend and God asks us to change something, but then it's as it were, we put him to voicemail or we have a do not disturb with God. We say, God, I'm willing to allow you to be in charge, but I don't want you to mess with this part of my life. I want us to lean in to answer the call that God has on our life. He's calling each one of us. In 1922, a young girl by the name of Agnes Bojahu felt the call of God on her life. She was 12 years old. She went to her parents and said, Mom, Dad, I believe that I'm called to be a missionary and to spread the love of Jesus to people. And she had to wait until she was 18. And when she turned 18, she joined a missions organization and she stepped into her calling and she received her first assignment to teach high school students at a Christian school. Now, this isn't what she had in mind. She had something else in mind, but God put her in this position to teach high school students. And so she was faithful to the assignment for 16 years. But during the last couple of years of her teaching, she sensed God stir something new in her heart. She felt a holy discontent. Have you ever felt the holy discontent? Your life is going great, but there's something inside that God is stirring. She felt that in her heart. For you see, whenever she would walk to work from where she lived to the school that she taught at, she would pass people on the street, people begging for money or for food, people who were blind, people who were crippled, people who had tattered clothes. There were single moms who had four and five kids in tow asking for help and for support. 
She finally reached a moment in her life where she went to her leadership and she said, is there anything we can do to help the poor? And they said, yes, you can go out and help them. She says, is there any money to help do that? And, she, and they said, no, there is no money. So what did she do? With an empty bank account and a heart full of faith, she stepped out in faith, believing that God would provide. For where God assigns, he always appoints provision for us. And so she steps out in faith. She begins to feed people off her own plate. She begins to do the thing God called her to do. And when people began to hear about what she was doing, they stepped in and they rallied behind the cause, behind the mission that God had put on her heart. And for nearly the next 50 years, she served God by serving people who were down and out, the underserved. When she died, people had heard about what she had done. For you see, her parents named her Agnes Bojahu, but we know her as Mother Teresa. And she fed and took care of the poor in Calcutta, India. There are hundreds of thousands of people who were blessed by her direct ministry. And there are millions of us that have been changed by the example of one woman who is willing to answer the call. Never underestimate what the power of a yes to God can do to change the world. Now, you may not be called to go feed the poor in Calcutta, but I believe God has put a call on all of us. He's calling us to follow Jesus and then love people. And I believe that all of us, we can do something great. For you see, God doesn't look for, av uh, uh, God doesn't look for ability, he looks for availability. God doesn't look for ability, he looks for availability. If you have ability and availability, he'll take you. But what I've discovered is that if you're available, he'll make you able. If you're available to him, he'll make you able. He'll take you just as you are and he'll make you into what he's designed you to be and what he's designed you to do in life. And so today I wanna to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 22. I wanna take you to the passage where we see Jesus call his first disciples to come follow him. And as I read these verses, I want you to hear what Jesus says to the disciples, to the, his first followers. But my prayer has been all week that you would hear Jesus speak to you. That you would understand that he's calling you as well. That he's calling you into something extravagant, something extraordinary. Let's read the word of God together. Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 22. It says this, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Say at once. They left immediately. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. They were doing work. They were preparing to go out and fish. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. What we see in this passage is that these four men were willing to step into the call that God put upon their life. 
And I believe that not only was he calling them then, but he's also calling us now to come and follow him. And we must decide today, how are we gonna respond when Jesus says, come and follow me? This passage of scripture is what our mission is rooted in. This idea of follow Jesus, it comes directly out of this passage. But we must all decide today, are we gonna choose to follow him? Are we just gonna be fans or are we gonna be true followers? My prayer is that we would choose to be followers. Today I wanna share with you two truths of answering the call. Number one, Jesus calls ordinary people into an extraordinary future. Jesus calls ordinary people into an extraordinary future. Look at what it says here, verse 19. He called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. These men were ordinary men, but God had an extraordinary future for them. And if I can just share with you, I believe that God has an extraordinary future for all of us if we're willing to follow him. One thing that I want you to notice is the fact that Jesus called the disciples. Now that may not be, that may not be something that's surprising, but the readers of the day would have understood why. Because back then, it wasn't the rabbi who called the disciples, it was the disciples that would select the rabbi they wanted to follow. And so Jesus, what he does is he does something completely counterculture to call these disciples to come follow him because he knew that they wouldn't step out and step into the thing that God had for them. They were just comfortable enough to go fishing and to do what they had learned from their family and they just said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna settle for status quo. But I wonder, have you ever noticed that Jesus didn't find his first followers in the synagogue, the house of God? Have you ever noticed that? He didn't find them there. He didn't find them there. One would expect that a rabbi would go looking for a follower at the synagogue. Why? Because back then what would happen is young boys about age four or five, they would go to the synagogue school. And they'd go to synagogue school from about four years old up to about 12. And then if they were especially bright or they bought into what they were learning and they showed some interest and some capacity to handle the Torah and Psalms and the word of God, they would be invited to continue their studies. But guess what? These guys weren't selected. These guys were ordinary men. They weren't invited back. In fact, in fact, if you'll just allow me, I think they were the C students of the class. I think they were the kids at the back of the class, you know, the ones who want to text and listen to music and talk to their friends instead of listening to the teacher, the ones who would try to flirt with girls but were always unsuccessful, the ones who had the caption on their yearbook that wasn't most likely to succeed. In fact, I think the captions in their yearbooks were this, most likely to get angry, I think that was Peter, most likely to lose a friend overboard, because they were fishermen. Maybe it was Capernaum's class clown, I don't know. These guys were the last and the least. They weren't the first choice, but yet Jesus selected them. And I think this is good news, why? Because we are ordinary people. 
And if we go our own way, we're gonna have an ordinary ho-hum future. But Jesus stands in our future and says, I have an extraordinary future for you. If you're just willing to follow me, I'll show you how to get there. And this is what he does. He calls them and he says, come just as you are. You're sinful, you've made mistakes, you're exhausted. But if you're willing to follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. In fact, one translation puts this verse this way. It says, come follow me and I will make you to fish for people. I think all of us, we need God to make us and remake us. Not about you, but I constantly need God to constantly work in my heart. We need to allow him to come in. We must be willing to accept the call and follow him. And they were willing to do that. And because they were willing to say yes to Jesus, they were able to see an extraordinary future. They were able to see Jesus heal the sick, to heal the blind, to raise the dead, to step out of a grave himself, to see the power of God go forth out of their life, to see God heal people through their life as well. They had an extraordinary future, but it all started way back when they were willing to say yes and answer the call. I believe Jesus has an extraordinary future for each one of us. But I also think he has an extraordinary future for, each, for, for this church as well. Why? Because I believe Jesus has a first-class future for everyone. Jesus has a first-class future for everyone. They may have been back of the class. You may have been back of the class. You may have a life and a past that you're not proud of, but God still has a first-class future for you. You may believe that you deserve the last and the least of God's blessing and favor, and he's here to say to you, I have more for you. Better is possible. I want to give you the above and beyond, the immeasurably more. I'm inviting you to step in, is what Jesus is saying to us, to truly take him at his word, as we just sung a, a moment ago. We must be willing to believe that he can do the immeasurably more. If I can just take a pastoral moment for a moment and just share my heart, I believe that the best is yet to come for this church. I'm grateful, I'm great, I'm profoundly grateful for what God has done through this church. And we honor the past, but that's what got us here. It's good to honor the past, but we must be continuing willing to follow him into the future he has for us. Better is possible. The future is bright. Our best days are still ahead. I believe that God's gonna restore marriages. He's gonna reunite families. He's gonna increase people's capacity. I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna step in and give new gifts to people. The ability to have wisdom, insight, discernment, the ability to pray for people to get healed in Jesus' name. I believe that he's gonna give people the capacity to do hard things in hard places. I believe he's gonna appoint people to a new assignment. I believe he's gonna anoint people for difficult moments. I believe he's gonna give us more grace. More grace to deal with people. More grace for the heavy load. More grace for the struggles that we face. More grace for the people that need a little more grace. You know, the extra grace required people now, if the extra grace required person is sitting right next to you, don't do anything to, to require more grace from God for that moment. He can give us more grace. I'm just confident. I'm confident in what God says in his word, that if we're willing to step into his future, 
we're willing to say yes to the call that it'll lead us to something extraordinary. And my prayer has been all week that this would just be embedded in your heart, that you would not hear my voice, but you would hear the voice of God, that you would believe him. But it requires our effort. It requires us to have everyday faithfulness. For you see, everyday faithfulness produces an extraordinary future. God does what he can do, but we must do what we must do. We must be willing to have everyday faithfulness. There's a man in our church, he started attending this church when he was a teenager. When he was a teenager, he didn't want to come. But as he grew older, he realized that there's something about following Jesus. He had seen his parents be consistent about their faith. In fact, his parents still attend here. They are rock steady. They love Jesus. They've demonstrated a long obedience in the same direction following Jesus. And when he grew up and became an adult and started a family, he decided, I want to follow Jesus too. And he's been faithful to God. When he lost his job, he continued to tithe. When he got injured at work, he still decided to find a way to serve. When COVID hit and shut us down, very soon after we opened up, he came back. And what has happened in his life and in his family is his consistency, his everyday faithfulness has become contagious to his kids. And now his kids are willing to follow Jesus and love people. His kids have a faith of their own. They tithe, they serve, and they're stepping into ministry. Why? Because there was a father and grandparents who are willing to be consistent and say yes to following the call of Jesus. And while we celebrate that story, we do. My prayer is that his story would be your story. We want to hear of hundreds of stories of how a life and a future can be changed by following Jesus. But in order for us to do that, we have to answer the call of God. We as a church, we want to equip you with a livable, resilient faith, a faith that can stand the test and the pressures of the time that we live in, a faith that you can live out every day, a faith where you can share the name of Jesus when you're, when you're at work or when you're at the lunch table. I don't know how many times I can tell you, but there have been times I've gone out to eat and I've prayed with my family, and at the end of the meal, someone will come up and give me a fist bump just saying, wow, that's great. The world is watching to see if our faith is real. They want to know if following Jesus will really change our life. They need to see it expressed through us. My prayer is that we would catch a vision for it. Which leads me to the second point. The second truth about answering the call. In order for us to get the extraordinary future God has for us, we must be willing to abandon old nets to get God's next. In fact, I invite you to say it with me. Abandon old nets for God's next. These four men were willing to abandon nets for God's next. Look at what it says. Peter and Andrew left their nets at once and followed him. James and John immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. They let everything go to follow Jesus. As it were, they, they let go of the safety net of their life, which was fishing, to be willing to follow Jesus. They went all in to follow Jesus. They were willing to abandon old nets, and they did it immediately. They obeyed right away. Now, parents, don't you wish your kids would obey right away? I'm praying it in. God, 
help my kids and help me with my kids. We see in the Mustard household, this happens occasionally. We say, Aiden and Alexis, come. And they say, what? We say, come. And then they say, just a minute. I get a little, I have a little allergic reaction to that. Oh, there's a, there's a, a righteous anger that rises up within me. <laughs> but we want them to come. We want them to obey right away. What these men understood is they needed to obey immediately because they knew they had the opportunity of a lifetime. Jesus was only gonna invite them once and they were willing to say yes, they obeyed right away. They understood that delayed obedience is disobedience. Some of us, we get around to it when we get to the things of God. We may obey the request of our boss immediately or of someone else. But when it comes to God, we're like, God, I'll just get to it. We must be willing to abandon old nets to receive God's next. Some of us, we're holding on to old nets. For some of us, that old net is comfort. We like life just the way it is. Life isn't great, but it's not terrible. It's just good enough. It's the Goldilocks thing. It's just good enough. I wanna remind us that comfort is the enemy of progress. It'll make you complacent and it'll leave you stuck 10, 12, 15, 20 years down the line. Some of us, our old net is what we want and what we enjoy, what we want for ourselves. We say to God, you can have all this, but this over here, that belongs to me. You can have all of this, God, but I'm gonna hold on to this. And he's saying, no, I want all of it. I want you to abandon all the nets so that you can follow me. For some of us, it's how we spend our time. It's how we prioritize our life, whether we prioritize church and community of faith or whether we just come every once in a while. Maybe for some of us, it's our finances. We say, God, you can have all of my life, but not my finances. I wanna reassure you that whatever you give up for God, God will always give you more. Whatever you give up for God, he'll always give you more. Why? Because he's a good God. He's not one to punish us. For some of us, it's an unhealthy behavior or relationship. I want to remind us that any net that drags you away from God will eventually drown you. Sin will take you places you never wanted to go and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. For some of us, it's fear. Fear is our comfort, which is strange Fear of failure, fear of embarrassment, fear of progress, fear of change, fear of making decisions so that we can step into the future God has for us. I'm here to remind us that fear is not our friend. Fear will leave you stuck. We must be willing to cut nets and move forward. There's a man in our church who's attended for over a decade. And he first started coming because his wife started coming. And the only time he would come was when his wife would invite him. And he would come grumbling and frustrated. He would sit in the back and he would have his arms crossed. He wasn't going to engage. He wasn't going to engage. He's a man and he's going to be just like this. And his wife would invite him to step in and step in. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And what would happen is that he would get here for service, but right at the end of service, he would leave. 
and go back to the car. After a couple of years, his heart began to warm up and he began to serve, but he was one foot in, one foot out. He was back and forth, back and forth. And then the pandemic hit and he caught COVID and he ended up in the hospital all by himself. Remember that? When we couldn't visit people in the hospital, he ended up in the hospital and it got so bad that he couldn't breathe. He had to be on an oxygen mask. One day, two days, three days, four days. And there was a point in that moment, in that season of his life where he began to wonder, am I really gonna live or am I gonna die here? He began to worry in his heart. And then he remembered the story of the man in the Bible who sat by a pool of water for 38 years. And Jesus shows up and says, do you want to be made well? And then the man gives some excuses about it. And then Jesus asks again, do you want to be made well? And the man says, yes, I do. And so Jesus heals him. And right after thinking that, he heard an audible voice that said, do you want to be made well? So he adjusts the mask because he couldn't see very well with the mask obscuring his vision, he adjusted his mask and he looked around and there was nobody in the room. And then he heard a voice again say, do you wanna be made well? And in his heart he said an unreserved yes to Jesus and then he fell asleep. 15 hours later the nurses came in and woke him up because they thought he was dead. But when he woke up he was much better. A couple days later he was discharged from the hospital and he was finally able to tell his wife about his encounter with Jesus Christ right there in the hospital. And while he was healed physically, he was transformed on the inside. For you see, when he got home, he decided to recommit to his wife and say, I'm gonna serve you and serve God. I'm gonna invest in my kids. I talked to him this week. He said, Pastor, Pastor, I now serve faithfully because of what God has done for me. I even gave up alcohol because Jesus told me to do it. And now I'm willing to use the platform God has given me to speak the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter. Every time I finish my assignment in the public sphere, I'm gonna mention the name of Jesus. I'm gonna tell people about how Jesus saved me from COVID, but more importantly, how he saved my life. And he says, Pastor, I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life. My friend was willing to abandon old nets for God's next. And God's inviting us to do the same. Are you willing to let go of what he's asking for? Whatever it is, be willing to let go of it. It'll all be worth it in the end. Why? Because Jesus sees who you can become. Jesus sees who you can become. He sees who he created you to be. He's trying to convince you to trust him and to follow him. In fact, look at what it says in, it says in Matthew 8, 4, 18, it says this, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter. What I need you to notice is that Simon was his given name, but Peter was the name that Jesus gave him. I don't know if you know this, but the name Peter means rock. What Jesus was saying in that moment is that you're going to be the rock solid one. What was a little ironic about it is that when Jesus gave him that name is he wasn't living up to that name. In fact, Peter was an angry man. He was an angry man with a short temper who would say whatever was on his mind. and He didn't care what anybody thought about it. In fact, he was the man who cut off a guy's ear the night that Jesus was betrayed. After following Jesus for three and a half years, he cut off a man's ear and Jesus says, no, no, no. This isn't the way. At the beginning of the story, 
Peter left the nets that were in his hands. But after Jesus' resurrection, Peter abandoned the nets that were in his heart. He's willing to say, God, I'm willing to follow you. And look at what it says in Acts 4.13. When they, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. My prayer for us as a church and as believers is that people would know that we had been with Jesus. We may be ordinary, unschooled people, but I pray that people would smell the fragrance of God upon us. That they'll say, they're different. They're different, different. This Jesus that they serve is real. And I want to choose to follow him as well. My prayer is that each one of us would capture the heart of God and choose to follow him. In just a moment, we're going to step into a moment of worship and communion. But I have two questions for you I want you to contemplate. Number one, what are the nets that Jesus is asking you to abandon? Whatever he's speaking to you, be willing to abandon it for him. Whatever he's spoken to your heart, either today or the last couple months or even the last couple years, be willing to abandon it to follow him. And the second is, what is the next step he wants you to take with him, with him at the lead? What step is that? Is it for you to, to be present, fully present for your spouse and give them the attention that they need and that they deserve and the love that they need from you? Maybe it's to invest time and attention and focus in your children, parents. Maybe it's to step up and to lead your family spiritually. Maybe it's to, maybe it's to give your time to the local school to help some kids by reading to them. Maybe, maybe it's to join a life group and actually finally get connected. Maybe it's to take a class like following Jesus, like knowing Jesus so you can actually know how to follow him. Maybe it is to join a ministry team and actually give your time during the weekend to make a difference, to open the door, to, to spread the love of Jesus to people. Maybe it's to change how you live so you can change how you give. Whatever step he's asking you to take, be willing to do it. It'll all be worth it in the end. My great prayer for us is that when we get to heaven and we've done all that he's asked us to do, we're able to turn to him and say, Jesus, we did all this for you. We did it because we love you. My prayer is that we'd capture the heart of God. And so today as I close, I wanna invite you to stand. I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Yes, saying yes to these different steps is important, but saying yes to Jesus is a thing that'll change your life. I wanna give you a private audience with the Lord. I just believe that God's, God's gonna move in our midst. Here at Westover, we believe that saying yes to Jesus is as clear as ABC. A, admitting that we need Jesus because we all need Jesus. B, believing that he died on the cross to give us a new life, hope and a future and to, and to forgive our sins. And that he rose again on the third day. And then C, confessing from our heart with our mouth out loud that we want him to be the Lord of our life. And I wanna give you that opportunity today. In order to do that, I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. 
I sense in my heart that God's been tugging on your heart. What I want to encourage you to do is to say yes to him. Whatever it is he's asking you. But more importantly, to say yes to letting him lead your life. You'll never regret it. He'll take you into the extraordinary future, but we all have a decision to make. Are we going to follow him or are we going to follow our own ways? If you're at a place in your life where you know you need to say yes to Jesus, this is the moment for you. Here's what I want to invite you to do on the count of three. I want to invite you to raise your hand. You're not saying yes to joining this church. You're just saying yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. Hands going up. Front to back, side to side, up in the balcony. Leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. I see them, but so does the Lord. Here's what I want to do. It would be my great pleasure to lead you in a prayer of commitment. I want you to pray this prayer. In fact, all of us are going to pray this prayer out loud from our heart, from the place that we say, I love you, to the people that we love the most. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do life without you. I want you to be in charge of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for allowing me to have a relationship with you. Be in charge of my life today, tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? If you just prayed that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Text New Life to the number on the screen. Also, attend Faith Essentials where you can get the questions about faith answered. But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to step into a moment of communion. We invite you to retrieve the elements that you have with you. And here's been my prayer is that today as we take communion, we'd be reminded of the extravagant love of God, what he did for us. In fact, my prayer is that Jesus would be the one to administer these elements to us. So I invite us, let's pray. This is a sacred moment. Let's step into the presence of God. Jesus, we come to you in this moment. We're grateful for your sacrifice. We ask that you'd remind us of what you did for us on the cross the extravagant love you express to us as we partake of these elements, would you step in our hearts and remind us of what you've done for us and the commitment you're calling us to. Bless these elements. Lord, we come up to the table, your table, Lord, to receive these elements from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He said, this bread rec- represents my body which will be broken for you. He says, every time you take it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's break and take together in the name of Jesus. After he'd taken the bread, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood, which is shed for you. It represents the new covenant, which is the promise that if you believe in me, that you'll have the forgiveness of sins, that you will have eternal life, and you will have access to healing. He says, as often as you take it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're stepping into a moment of worship. I'm going to invite no one to leave.
I want you to be here, be present. As we step into this moment of worship, I want you to commit to whatever God asks you to do. Whatever he asks you to abandon, be willing to say, God, I commit to you today to do that. And whatever step he invites you to take, be willing to commit to that as we worship him together. He's worthy of our praise and our honor and our worship for what he did. We just celebrated and remembered his sacrifice through communion. He did it all for us. And he's inviting us to follow him. I invite us to raise our hands. Jesus, we worship you today. We lift you up. You're worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name. Now let's step into a moment of worship. Let's worship the king.